for example, in affordability by sacrificing two or three or four other apartments, you know, to get the, to, to the 70 points, you're only getting this extra. Hey, it's JP. Hi, it's Excel. And you're listening to Terry Shower on the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. We have with us today, Christian Permerlot, who is one of the top mortgage brokers at PMML. And he's here to uh, enlighten us a little bit about the challenges and perhaps some of the solutions that might be before us. What kind of projects do you think can work in this environment? You mentioned that construction is more of a challenge and you know certain things are, are a bit more difficult. Small projects are more of a challenge. What do you see working well in this environment? Okay, now that's, um, that's a $50 question. Actually, I, I wouldn't say, in, in terms of type, if people want to go into and, and they know they're knowledgeable about uh, pure commercial, I mean, industrial right now is like, like top, you know, it's a very, very good market. If people want to go in there and, and they know how to do it, it's, and it, it's, it's much more easy to finance if you have something strong, something good. So on the commercial part, probably you want to avoid retail but, uh, and offices, but, but there's many uh, different things which are pretty interesting. Semi-commercial, I feel, is uh, a place where it, even before this trouble of the raise increases, is one of the places where I feel uh, is, is uh, I don't know how to say it in English, but uh, it's not looked at very well, but it, there's a lot of opportunities there. But what I would answer to that question is, instead of talking about what type is more, which market, in which market should you go? And I think you have all these different types, which could be good in the markets. For sure, like the Montreal market, it will always be good. You know, the prices are high, but that will always be good. But there's some markets out there which are very interesting and very in a, in a big increase, like Gatineau, you want to, Trois-Rivières is going very, very well, especially on the other side, Bécancourt. Uh, Bécancourt is probably, um, I, I think, with all the big companies that are going there, and they're going to become uh, the, 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 a center, you know, for, for uh, different components there. And uh, so there's a lot going out there. And in the next years, also, the, 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 the bridge going to Bécancourt is going to be closed for a while. So people are going to want to stay there. So the housing business, there's no way you could find land there over there. And so I, I, I feel that's going to be a very good investment market or construction market, even if people want to go uh, build there. Sherbrooke is going uh, pretty well. So I think if people look for, you know, you have to be patient, patient, not necessarily in, in the speed of buying, but patient in, uh, you know, knowing the market. And then when you see something coming up, well, that's where that's where you have to hit rapidly, you know. But multi-residential will always be good, and I think it's just getting the the right market, you know. Yeah, the right market in terms of geographical location. Geographic, and, yeah, exactly. And in terms of asset class as well. And you mentioned it, like the industrial since two years has been exploding. There's a lot of new players that are coming into it, and it's obviously for larger companies and. For, It'll, I always think of Rose Fellow because these guys are having an absolute killing in that uh, in that domain. Now, in the previous episodes, we, we recently talked about like a lot of the economic impact of everything that's happening right now. 
And Terry has mentioned like Canada is extremely real estate heavy in terms of in the economy. So, you know, it's just a conversation between the three of us here, but it's difficult to predict where is it that we're going. And all of us just care about what can we do? Solutions, like simple things in building a file or types of properties to avoid. What, in what areas do you still see people that are successful right now? You see, I, I receive files from about every, in, in every types. So I've been receiving files for uh, storage, storage uh, units, you know, storage. And those are very, when, when it's a nice business, you know, uh, and you have, it has to be big files. Smaller files are not interesting for banks, but if you have big files, like over two or $3 million of in, in that type of investment, then you have good banks. And those are the things I, I receive. And, and I think that's kind of good anytime. Yes, we don't, we, we don't know where the rates are really going to go. We know that they're going to increase probably still a bit, you know, even on the next, uh, uh, the 13th of July is the next meeting uh, for the bank. And uh, we're expecting another raise there, but then probably a little calm, you know, a little calm period. Uh, and that's where I think it's going to pick up. So what I think is not the asset class, but are the players which are going to change. Like the, the people coming in are going to have like stronger balance sheets. They're going to have a little more liquid to inject because that's what banks are looking at right now. We have banks which, which are overloaded. For two reasons, there's been so many files in 2021 and beginning of 2022, so they're backlogged. So, and also there's been a big, big move in a lot of people, even in the banks, a lot of people leaving from there, so they don't have all the manpower, so it's very slow. But I think right now, because of that, they're cherry picking. There's this amount of money and so many files. So they're taking the perfect files, very difficult to bring creativity right now because they have the choice of taking either one that has derogations or things that have to be different or the perfect file. So they use the perfect file. And sometimes there's files which we thought would go in like easily, but we have hard time putting them in. But all this I think is going to change because this backlog is going to be like, eaten up pretty soon and with the rate increase there's movement in the amount of files and transactions that are being done and i think that within maybe four to five months banks are going to be the ones running after us so then mm -hmm. then it's going to make it easier either to buy or to refinance that'll be like the day that the construction guys start running after the us wouldn't that be nice <laughs> oh yeah exactly exactly but you know um, in in construction if even if just, you know, the things with China calm down a bit and then, uh, you know, we get things together for to reorient transportation and all this and, and supply gets a little better, even construction is going to get better and better. I think, I think we're, we're in the tough period of this thing. So let me ask this question. One of the other things that I've kind of heard is that the CMHC is kind of changing their mandate a little bit. And so just a little bit of history, like for our listeners that maybe don't know this, I've been reading about this lately, so I, I'm, I'm dying to share it. CMHC really was in a position to work through single family home ownership as the path to affordability and basically building the Canadian society that we live in. 
And I think that they've kind of, they and market conditions have kind of pushed things to the ultimate conclusion where single family homes are no longer affordable to a lot of people. And so now we're going to be looking at more people who are renters. And so I think that their focus is coming back maybe to like creating an affordable rental market. And that brings me to my next question. Do you see different things coming from the CMHC in terms of the type of programs that they have? Maybe you want to tell us a little bit about the, you know, affordable, more affordable housing mortgages or the, uh, you know, energy efficient mortgages. What do you, what do you see with that? Well, you're right for the first thing is that they, they've been having this, uh, what they call the 2030 mission or vision or whatever they call it, but it's, it's a big, big, big template that they've been building for many years now. And now, and, and many of their decisions are based on this objective of, you know, 2030 having, I don't remember how many, but like a very high percentage of Canadians uh, being in a, in a household, you know, being in a house or either by renting or buying or so their, their main target is that. So they are homeowners, making- Sorry, is, is, is home ownership still home ownership or more moving toward apartment living? Well, I actually think both because because we have a lot of uh, immigration and, you know, our our future is going to be based also a lot on, on immigration. So immigrants, they start by renting, but very fast, they, they want to have access to a home. And, and for many of them, it's very cultural. You know, they, they buy a home and they have a tendency even to pay off their home. You know, we know as investors that very often you don't want to do that, but you know, this is, is it's cultural, but they want to give access to home ownership and access to affordability. So I think both are there in, in the components of this vision. And the next moves that, that they're going to make is, I think, is always going to be um, accentuated on the affordability part. Definitely. And, and the MLI program, the MLI select program, some people, uh, they, they ask me, like, was this like created out of the what we're living with the pandemia? And they did they put it out like right when the rates were going out? And, and I don't think so. Well, we're told that it's not the case, but I don't believe that. I think it's it was there, but it just went out in a very appropriate moment. And it's not the perfect plan. I don't want to sell this on the show and say, hey, MLI is, is the way to go. It's not the perfect plan, but it's, it's something still uh, good. I think you always have to study the, this opportunity when you look at what you're buying or refinancing as one of the options. And then you have to look at the advantages and the challenges that this program is going to bring. But it does give new access because of all the advantages that it brings, it gives new access to a, a lower mise de fonds, you know, lower cash downs when you buy. And if you refinance, you definitely get bigger uh, equity takeout. So what might somebody like, what might some of the advantages be? I know that I have not had the chance to do one of these mortgages yet, but I'm definitely yeah. eyeing it because I do a lot of, you know, kind of more low income stuff. So what are the, mm -hmm. some of the disadvantages maybe to this program? The advantages or disadvantages? Both. Both. Oh, both. Okay. <laughs> Why not? Actually, <laughs> in the advantages, it's, I think the main thing is giving access to being able to buy, first of all, because the cash down could be lowered by a lot, which, you know, if to the best 
extreme it could almost be brought down to five percent but it doesn't really exist but this is like the the ideal so five percent cash down but like i said it it doesn't really exist when you calculate it but access to buying a lower cash down and higher equity takeout and also for people that uh want to be a social uh, want to look at it socially well they do something uh social by making some of their apartments or uh affordable and reducing energy costs so in that sense it's it's interesting but what's at stake in all this what are the challenges is the first thing is that you're giving up you know as on the affordability part you're putting up a contract with the government for 10 years now a lot of people when they look at this and they look at the advantages, they're caught up by the advantage and uh, they see that instead of, uh, be, of having to give 600,000 of cash down, they only have to bring 330 and then they're excited by that and that's what they focus on. That's when I just bring them back, you know, and, and we should always have this thought is like 10 years is a lot of years. You know, if, you know, 10 years today means I'll be 42 in 10 years, you know, uh, I'm cheating a bit, but you know, you have to think about this, you know, the, the person today is it's cool. You get 200, $300,000 more uh, equity takeout, but think about the future because you have to look at, at the objective. So that's one thing, the contract, which could be pretty long. The second thing is the limitation on the increase. Uh, it comes with a contract, you know, it's lim limitation on the increase that you could do on your um, apartments, on your rents. So you have to make sure that, you know, it's strategic, it's done intelligently so that uh, you could raise, you could still do uh, good raises on your, uh, on your uh, project. And the, one of the advantages is you have a longer amortization and you also have a debt service ratio of 1.1. But these are also disadvantages, because when you look at that, you are not capitalizing a lot during the years. So this means that when you refinance five years later, you, even if you have a 10-year contract, you could still refinance when your term is finished, but what's going to be there? You know, and 10 years later, if let's say you have taken a 50 year mortgage and you went up, yeah, you were able to go up to a loan to value of 95%, very hard to hit. But let's say you would refinance and it, it went up to 87 or 90% at 1.1 DSR, the debt service ratio. I mean, you're going to be 10 years later with rents that maybe didn't pop up very high. You might not even be able to get out of the program, might have to renew the program for another 10 years or inject to bring you back down to the regular uh, CMHC program at 85%, 35 years or whatever years you'll be able to take it there. So those are the dangers of the pro program. And the last one is, is selling also. You have a contract on affordability for 10 years. If you want to sell your project or sell your property, it's said that the, the buyer would have to take the program too. And they're not obliged to, but if, if you don't oblige them and they don't take it, CMHC will put you as the seller in default. 
And right now we don't even know exactly what the default would be, but basically when you're in default with CMHC, it means that your, your next projects uh, might not be insurable. You know, you might even have to have to recall the other ones. So we don't know exactly, but the thing is that you don't want to be in default with uh, CMHC anyhow. Mm-hmm. So those are the advantages and the disadvantages. I think I'll finish with that on, on this part, but I think what's really important is that, first of all, you study your, 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 your stuff. Second, you, you go with your favorite uh, mortgage broker and you look at the, the, you know, the advantages and disadvantages, disadvantages and you look at what your objectives are. Are they long-term or short-term detention? Is there any possibility that you would be selling in there and how is optimization going to affect is is the remaining apartments that you're not putting under contract enough to optimize and to change you know within the ones that are on under contract and if you have partners what are the goals of your partners will you be challenged later on to maybe have to buy down a, a partner or things like that so all this has to be taken into account and if it makes sense it is an option yeah. mm-hmm. It seems to me like that resale thing is a huge problem because like you had me up until the resale thing, because it's like, (laughs) if you, no, no. I mean, like, how are you going to control on the market? Like who wants to buy an affordable building, right? Like maybe there are people who, who have a social conscience, but I think like the majority of investors want to make money. And I'm not sure that, you know, that's going to be a hot commodity when it comes time to put those things on the market. Yeah, it is an issue. It is an issue. Is CMHC going to change? At first, I, I even that part, I reacted uh, pretty strongly because I said, like, uh, it makes no sense uh, exactly the way you were, you're looking at it. But after that, when you start looking at it deeply, it's understandable that if they don't do that, you know, there's there, the rules and the laws in, on the planet are always made for abusers for people that are going to abuse the system. And it is very easy when you don't do something like that to think about abusing the system and going for the, 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 the biggest, you know, the 100 point program and boosting everything up and then selling your, your building like one year or two years after. So I think they have to avoid this. I imagine that people are going to put in their offer to, to sell that they want either people assuming I don't know you say that in English, like assuming yeah, the assuming, loan and yeah. assuming you don't really assume the program, but you assume the loan and then you have to take the program. So they'll probably put that up as a condition for the sale. And but uh, however, we were told also that if you sell and you buy something else and you put the MLI program on the second thing you buy, then uh, you'd be okay. We're not sure of the delays. You know, there's many questions that are unanswered right now. The same way that you know, when two years ago CMHC brought in the rules for the takeout of the equity where you had to justify everything you would buy in the future, when the program came out, like even in CMHC, they didn't have answers to that. And it took two, three months. And then we started getting real answers and the program was a little modified. I think, I believe the MLI select program will do the same thing. Uh, in the next months, they're going to tweak things and probably, uh, you know, things are, are, are the, the new rules are going to come out and or the new acceptance, accepted things, you know, but it's still it's still an OK program. But yes, you have to know about these things. 
Mm-hmm. And I was just going to say, thank you so much for going back over the disadvantages, because you're right. And I'm sure you've seen so many of your clients get all excited. Oh, this is great. 95% and this and that, but it comes with strings attached. And it seems like a lot of people forget that you have a commitment for five or 10 years, depending on your terms, but also that you're not going to be capitalizing nearly as much. So after yeah. five or 10 years, well, yeah, you have a good project that you, you could do without putting too much money down, but the value you've actually built is also lesser. And I think a lot of people forget that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also uh, sometimes when the program makes sense and uh, the, the, the client, uh, you know, wants to have like the hundred program, hundred point program. And very often, you know, I calculate this uh, with them and I say, Hey, uh, the program is good for you, but I wouldn't go with a hundred points. I would stay at the 70 or the 50 points because this is the difference, you know, by sacrificing, for example, in affordability, by sacrificing two or three or four other apartments, you know, to get the, to, to the 70 points, you're only getting this extra. Mm-hmm. So I, I believe that you could probably do much better by optimizing. So, so yes, it actually, it's a game of, of really calculating the pro formas and uh, seeing into the future, what could be done with the building. And again, I, I always, I'm going to stress the disadvantages, but there are advantages. So the program is not like, it's not black or white. You just have to work through it. And my answer would be it's, it's in the options, you know? Yeah. Excel. Amongst many options. I don't know. Yeah. There's no such thing as a free lunch, eh? <laughs> exactly. Oh yeah. That's There's true. always strings Absolutely. attached. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. That, exactly. And if we're, if we're going to be going on quotes, I was thinking about it earlier when Christian was just kind of describing the market is Warren Buffett saying, be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. So it seems like now there's a lot of fearful people out there. So it's yeah. time for us to get into the action. And I don't want to say get greedy because that's not who we are, but yeah. you get the point. <laughs> so thank you very much, Christian, for, for all this uh, wonderful advice. Where can people find out more about you? Yes, actually, I'm available over the phone on my cell at 514-826-2052, or people could email me at christian.pomerleau at pmml.ca, and it'll, it'll be a pleasure to uh, talk to them and talk about the project. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much, Christian. It's been a pleasure to have you on for, for two episodes. Uh, thank you very much. It's deeply appreciated. And uh, to everyone listening, please follow the podcast, share it with a friend who you think could benefit from this conversation, and we'll be very happy to talk to you again next week. Thank you very much. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, remember to give us a rating, leave a comment, subscribe, and share. You can find Terry at terryshower.com. Her book, Mindful Landlord, is available on Amazon. You can also follow her on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. JP is the president of the Real Estate Investors Club. You can learn more about the club's networking and educational activities on Facebook by searching for Real Estate Investors Club. Look to the show notes to find information on our guests and links to material mentioned in the episode.